Welcome back, devoted podcast listeners, to the Self Love Fitness Project podcast, where we are redefining what it means to be fit mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and of course, physically as well. Today's guest, Robert Young, is a longevity expert and historian, and he has a wealth, a wealth, wealth, wealth of knowledge. And I'm so blessed to be able to share this conversation with you today. He has even worked with the Guinness World Record books to figure out, you know, what does it take to live a long time? And, you know, although we may have to live within our genetic potential, there are things we can do to lengthen our life. And we're going to go over them today with Robert. Thank you guys so much for watching. And without further ado, let's dive into this man's world. All right, now we're live. Now we're rolling. Um, So I'm going to start again with my date because I actually I really wanted to do this with you. Everyone who can't see and is on audio right now, I have a date in my hand. Taking one bite of it. I'm going to take more bites. I'm going to finish this date. I wanted to ask Robert about food really on this podcast because I know food is a major factor in how long we live and I want to dive deep into that topic. But let's start off, Robert. You've already been introduced. They know who you are. They know what you're about. So let's let's start off with the date. Specifically, this is kind of a, a wrap a question that you weren't prepared for, but like tell me tell me about fruit. Tell me about dates. Is this is this gonna help me live longer? Okay, so the first thing that I think we need to understand is that we need to get rid of this concept of, of living longer, and we need to refocus on this idea of we have a biological lifespan potential already in our genetic profile. And so we really need to think about this as achieving what is possible. So it's, it's really uh, not so much about living longer, it's about fulfilling our potential that already exists. Uh, when it comes to dates, I think the answer is a very good option, uh, yes, because number one, it's natural. Uh, number two, it's, uh, you know, plant-based, and it's something that humans have been eating for thousands of years, so the human uh, system is is quite used to it. Okay, yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, made me feel good about eating like six of them here, so um fantastic i, I mean you, you you know there is there is there is the you know drawback though is you, know, you can overdose you can overdose on anything all right right, right. no i i, I would too much water and you drown all right everybody <laughs> right. has to everybody needs water everybody has to have water uh but too much water and you drown so we we really need to you know shift this idea of bad and good uh more towards the idea of of finding a balance in the proper uh, proper balance of things and um, and yes there are some substances out there that are bad and there's some good but you could even take something that's good and in the wrong proportion it, it can become not good for you so okay that's good that, that's interesting changing the bad and the good which by the way i'm very familiar with in my own life and anyone who's been strict with a diet like i know some of our audience is very like this food sucks this food is bad this i cannot eat this food this food is good whether it's lettuce broccoli whatever fad article they just read i've read a million of them and they they label foods bad and good and when they eat the foods that they really like but their mind thinks is bad it's like oh well then i'm bad or they feel guilty about it or whatever it is and that doesn't first of all seem sustainable second of all that just sucks to like feel guilty about eating food that you enjoy that not isn't necessarily bad for you so um i want it's gonna parlay into our next question here what are the oh you have something to say yeah so so one of the things is i, I want to mention as an example eggs back in the 1980s eggs were stereotyped as 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 bad for you and you can't eat more than three a day and all this this stuff and uh, because it had high cholesterol and then after uh, you know years and years of studies uh, they found out 
that they were actually, uh, you know, mistaking correlation for causation and that egg cholesterol was different uh, from other kinds of cholesterol. And it turns out that not only were eggs good for you, uh, but that the, the yolk was the healthiest part of the egg. So this whole idea of eating egg whites only turned out to be not, not, such, not such a good idea. Um, I'm gonna say there are some things that are definitely bad. I think we all know rice and is bad, okay? Uh, and and yes, we do. Let me say this: we do want to stay away from artificial substances as much as as we can, because a lot of the artificial substances have been made, uh, you know, in a lab. This product tested over maybe you know 10, 15 years or less, uh, whereas the natural substances have been uh, evolutionarily tested over, over thousands or even millions of years of, of product testing. Right. So so let me ask you this: which do you think is safer, something that the human uh, humans have been eating, you know, for 4,000 years or something that they've been eating for uh, 10, 15 years. 4,000 years, baby. Exactly. Okay. Even something like milk, for example, milk used to be bad for, for uh, people and then they had a genetic uh, change in, in people's, uh, you know, genetics and, and then they became able to uh, to tolerate milk for, for many people. Now, there's still some people out there that are lactose intolerant, but uh, for the mass majority of people, they can now enjoy milk. So that's just one example of how the biology can change over time. Yeah, okay, cool. So like, see, that's interesting that in the 1980s, eggs were, you know, deemed as an unhealthy food, but now they're deemed as a health food. So should we, like, what should we do? Should we trust? Should we trust whatever science is coming out today? Should we look at what we've been eating for four, like thousands of years? Like, how should we judge it? Because as we speak, someone probably just wrote a new article about what a food that's like, you know, good now or like is, or is now unhealthy for this reason. Like, so like, what do we believe? Number one, like, where do we go for quality information that we can trust? Question number one. Question two, do we trust? Oh, wait, 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 wait. Uh, one question at a time, please. Okay. So I'll start, off on, I'll start then with that question. Where do we go for quality information to actually know what to eat and, or should we? test on our, like do like a blood test, a stool test and figure out what works specifically for us? The, the first thing to understand is, is that uh, everybody's, uh, you know, biological profile is different and you have to figure out what is right for you. We've had some people that, you know, said that we're going to go all, all vegan and we've had some people uh, that tried all vegan and they ended up dying because their body just couldn't tolerate that switch. So, you know, we have some people that eat peanut butter and it's great. We have some people that eat peanut butter and then they have an allergic reaction to it and they die. So uh, I think that the thing is there are, when it comes to health, there are, a, you know, a huge amount of variables in, involved. And it's really more a matter of, we're gonna to have to figure out a way to, to think for ourselves, to evaluate, uh, you know, what is put out there from, from a logical standpoint, but also, you know, what works for us. And, you know, Occam's razor simplest explanation is usually correct. So I, I think that uh, if somebody does want to, you know, go to, for example, the Gerontology Research Group website, which I'm associated with as the director of the Gerontology Research Group Supercentenarian Research and Database Division, one of the things we're doing is we're studying supercentenarians, people age over 110, because the idea is if you're over 110, you really figured out how to live your life a way that really exceeded uh, almost everybody else. So I think that, you know, going to the experts, those people that, that succeeded in, in living 
the longest is, is a good uh, start in my view. Yeah, um, it makes sense to me too. So, so let's go there. What are these people that are 110? What are the common themes? What are they doing to, to get to that age? Yeah, there's about seven to 10 uh, items that really uh, are commonalities uh, with people that live the very longest. Uh, one of the first things is that they tend to uh, maintain a healthy body weight. Um, being obese, especially for males, is, is, is not good. Uh, but the female body can store a little bit of fat in the pear shape uh, structure uh, of the female body. It's a little bit different. But the bottom line is, is uh, one of the first things I would tell anyone that wants to live uh, 210 plus is, is that you need to maintain a healthy body weight. Um, another, another thing is that uh, many of the people that live the longest are, are female. Uh, sorry, guys. About no. 90 <laughs> Come on, don't tell me that, Robert. <laughs> Just kidding. Biologically speaking, women age 3% slower than, than men, and they have the double X uh, chromosome. Uh, and men, you know, men only have the X and the XY, and the Y is, is much smaller. And, uh, you know, the double X hypothesis shows that when the female, uh, you know, chromosomes that uh, if there's a mistake on the first X, then the second X can activate a, a backup copy. So, you know, women uh, have a backup copy of, of every, uh, you know, every gene and, and men don't. And that's one reason, for example, why men tend to be colorblind uh, more often than, than women are. So uh, the thing though is if you're born male, you're male and you can't really change your 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 profile in that sense in terms of the genetic potential. Uh, so I, remember, though, it's only 3% difference. So if, for example, a 113-year-old woman is like a 110-year-old man, so you still, as a male, you can still expect that you have a chance to live to be 110 plus if you live a good life. Yes. Okay. Well, um, another thing is I'm going to say this. A lot of the people that live the very longest tend to be active walkers. They tend to um, be actively engaged in something to do. Uh, they tend to maintain a regular sleep and, and wake cycle. They tend to sleep a lot. Um, they tend to get up the same time every day and go to bed the same time every day with a schedule. That one of the things that we really need to do to focus to, uh, you know, live the best life that we can live is to understand that the human body operates as as a system that that operates most efficiently when we operate according to the cycles that nature has devised for us. And uh, for example, we have the, the 24 hour circadian rhythm clock that people's uh, you know, body temperature tends to be lowest about 7.30 a.m. and highest about 3.30 in the afternoon. So even there, you can see that it's probably best to, uh, you know, for most people to, to sleep, uh, you know, maybe 11 uh, p.m. to uh, 7 a.m. and then get up, you know, around in, in the morning and then you know get your day going that way and of course there's some people that exceptionally have to work at night and that's different but we understand though is you know even the death rates are higher at higher at 3 a.m okay so the fact of the matter is is that the, the human body operates most efficiently after it has a chance to warm up and uh, you reach your peak usually in the early afternoon uh, peak efficiency operating um okay yeah all right and you said there were seven to 10, 10 items that people um, can focus on to live longer. Could, would you mind sharing a few others? I really want to bring value to someone that, that is like wondering like, like crap, like 
I feel like I'm not healthy right now. What can I do now to set myself up for the long term? And then the nice thing about what you're saying is like walk, just going for walks every day. That's a really easy step. So, um, well, this is one of the things. A lot of people that focus too much on 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 fad diets or or, or marketing tricks they may see on on TV or now right. online. But if they really, if you use your use your brain and you start at the most basic things, we already mentioned a, a few. Is uh, number number one is maintain a healthy body weight. Uh, number two, uh, be a woman if you can. If you can't, just forget about that one. Number three. <laughs> You need to get a lot of sleep. The human body uh, shows that when you are asleep, the glycemic system operates 11 times more effectively than, than when you are awake. So one of the things to consider is that when you are asleep, your body is doing many things that it doesn't do during the day. You know, during the daytime, there's three things that really take up a lot of energy. That's your eyes, uh, your digestive system, and your brain. And because that takes us so much energy, a lot of the functions of the human cells are not operating. Uh, for example, taking out the trash at the cellular level. Uh, so when you're asleep, uh, your your eyes close, your brain uh, is uh, you know basically is shutting down like a computer shutting down, and you know your your food is, is hopefully uh, you don't eat right before you go to bed because when you're asleep, what your body is trying to do is it's trying to go through a process. It takes up uh, you know a lot of the stuff that happened during the day, you know, if you stressed your muscles and you worked out, your body might be trying to, you know, activate to repair some of the, the micro tears that you did. Uh, you know, your brain may be trying to process the memories or throw away the stuff that it doesn't need to think about. Mm. And everything that operates is, uh, you know, even on the cellular level, you can actually lose weight uh, by getting a good night's sleep. And when you don't get a good night's sleep, uh, you actually get inflammation and you actually gain weight from not getting uh, a good night's sleep. And a study showed that people that slept only five hours a night had a 30% higher mortality than people that slept seven or more hours. Wow. So that is a huge differential. So when people think that, oh, this is just no big deal, you know what? Our system is designed, unfortunately, the economic system is designed where people are commodity and people are forced to push themselves beyond their natural biological limit. And I think that a lot of people are beginning to say, well, wait a minute, we need to make sure that, that we're not having to force people to work 80 hours a week. Our body really isn't made for that. It's not sustainable. And you're not going to reach your maximum potential because you know, when I see these people like Emma Murano of Italy, the 117, and she's like, I'm sleeping 10 or 11 hours. Okay. You know, it seems like one of the reasons they live so long is because uh, they recharge their system. And we need to understand that we need to be able to recharge our system. And that's one of the main things that I think that we don't, we don't uh, understand that. Uh, that said, uh, if you sleep all day and you get up and you don't do anything, that's not good either. Because when you do get up, you need to get uh, get up and start get going and be active. And uh, studies show that people that walk fast uh, live longer than people that walk slow. So it's not simply being active. You need to be active to a point where you're putting a little bit of stress on your system, a little bit of get up and go, you know, get some get some stuff going. You know, just don't get out there and just, you know, even jogging slowly is really not 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 enough. Okay, you need to do something fast. You know, like you know, get something going. Okay, get circulation going. You want to get you want to get some stuff going. Okay? okay, you want to put some stress on your system. And another thing, stress is another key. Too much stress is bad. Not enough stress is bad. So they actually have this word eustress, 
eustress is kind of the balance between too much stress and, and not enough stress. And so, you know, to me, it's like a car. If you don't run your car and you sits in the in the car lot for a year and then you try to start it, it, it doesn't work very well. Right. And um, body needs to operate according to keep it keep it functional and keep it maintained in our human bodies like that. But if we push it too hard, too hard, then we also stressing ourselves out. And, you know, people can lose their hair, you know, look at this. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You've been stressed. Haven't you been Robert? You know what? If I had to live my life over again, I would take it a little bit easier. And this is one of the reasons why I wanted to, you know, do some of these, uh, some of these chats with some of the younger people because when I was growing up, there were some people to tell us this stuff. We were told to, you know, work hard and, and, and uh, you know, forget about your health and just, you know, do what you're told. And, uh, you know, times are beginning to change where people are saying, well, well, wait a minute. Uh, you know, we have we have rights as human beings to to, uh, you know, live our life in a way that's going to be compatible with our, our bodies being healthy. And I think that, um, you know, one of the other things we need to really push away from is is processed junk food uh, that that comes out in yeah right yeah yeah factories and you know i'm not going to name any names but uh, uh, recently we had uh somebody buy some uh chicken nuggets at a fast food restaurant and try to give it to a dog and the dog went and eat it and i'm like okay this processed stuff was not good enough for the dog to eat why are people eating this <laughs> the garbage like like I've, I've heard like there, there isn't food and there, there isn't junk food. There's just junk. Like it's not actual food, you know, like, um, if you don't mind, um, and first of all, like, I don't want to get into talking about the advertising for all of this junk food either, how it's constantly bombarding us driving down the street when we're on our phones, all this stuff. So it's, we're, we're getting programmed to eat this stuff, but I, I want to go back a little bit to specifically about rest and recovery and, I've been kind of getting acquainted with this idea of having fast, intense bursts of effort. Yes. And then having active recovery and then falling into sleep, like having a nice, like intense burst of energy, whether it's intellectual uh, output, whether it's or creative output or intellectual input, or whether it's just straight up like work, like productivity, like I'm, I'm creating something, having an intense output and then doing something restorative after like say yoga or like going for a walk or, you know, like relaxing. And like, so like, what is this balance we can strike? Like, is there a certain amount of time we can go, you know, all out for before we have to stop? And like, what are the best practices to recover while we're awake, like active recovery? Well, one of the things is, first of all, is, you know, in some countries such as Spain, they have this uh, divide the day in two thing where they're active in the morning and then they have like an afternoon siesta and then they're active again later. Um, that seems to be a strategy that works well, give people a chance to recover from the early morning activity and then go on, on a second wind. And a lot of people don't understand that a lot of this stuff actually comes from physics. This is not mystical stuff, physics. When the ocean waves hit the shore, they don't hit the shore flat. They hit in waves. They hit in waves, okay? The, the entire physics of operating particles operates according to, to uh, waves. So we need to live our life more in tune with this concept of, of, of a wave pattern. And that's why when I'm saying the people that went to bed the same time every day and get, the, get up the same time every day, because they're basically getting in charge 
they're getting in sync with their circadian rhythms. Uh, the ba the basically the biorhythms are are being set partly by you know the spin of the Earth uh, in relation to to the sun. You know we have this. Uh, Birds understand, you know, bird migration, for example, birds understand how to migrate and, and humans have some of these type of abilities too, but because of our modern technology, we've forgotten that we have these abilities uh, to, to basically, you know, set our biological clocks. And, and I think that people are finally getting back to this idea that if we get more in tune with the way that our biology was constructed, that it's going to be uh, more helpful for the operation of our system. Okay. No, thank you for that. Um, I, I want to take the, the time that we have left here. I want to switch over specifically to fitness and bodybuilding. It's a topic that me and you brought up kind of last minute before this call. And I, I want to dive into it specifically because self-love fitness, like this idea that, that was created was kind of out of us seeing what the fitness industry was like and our personal experience in bodybuilding where physical health was far more important than mental or emotional health. It was put on a pedestal, so to speak. And I want to know like what, like why bodybuilding actually isn't as healthy as people think, because I mean, I'm not sure where this idea came from. Maybe it was back in the pumping iron days with Arnold Schwarzenegger when we would see him up on a big health fitness, men's health magazine, these ginormous, like these ripped guys with the huge chest and the big bowlers on their shoulders, huge triceps, biceps, ripped abs the whole nine yards and we may have just associate that with, okay, that's what it needs. That's what I need to be healthy, but you're saying that that's not what it takes. So I, I wouldn't mind um, uh, diving into that conversation like what we actually need to do to live longer. And like, what are some of like the myths in the fitness industry? Okay. So the first thing I, I'm going to say this is, is I, I don't like to tell people what to do. I do like to tell people the, the facts and then they have to make their personal choices. Um, but as, as, as I explained before, if you look, the, the very tallest uh, tree is not the very largest tree. Um, so, you know, anytime we're trying to decide, for example, if we're going to try to set an Olympic record or a world record to be, you know, the world's fastest swimmer or runner or weightlifter or whatever, we're going to have to go all out. But here's the thing, though, is some of the some of the things out there, you know, are better for the human body than others. And, uh, you know, running and swimming and bicycling seem to go align with living a long time. The problem with weightlifting is, is first of all, is that extra muscle puts extra strain on the human heart. And in fact, a lot of scientists believe that's one reason why women do, to, do tend to outlive, outlive men because the average female body has a lot less um, mass. And in fact, studies show that the people, Short people tend to live longer than, than big people, uh, tall people, and, and, and over a certain level. Let me say, six one's not too bad, but when you get to, when you're starting to get around six five, six six, uh, then they, the death rates really start to start to climb because it really is a lot of extra effort for your heart to try to get all that blood all the way right. up there. And people need to understand though, if you're going to be 250, 300 pounds, and even if your muscle, even if that's muscle, that is a lot of extra work for your heart to do. And your heart never takes a day off. It never takes an hour off. It has to work 24 hours a day, 24, uh, you know, it has to work all the time. And so what I'm saying is that we need to understand that when it comes to bodybuilding, that it's really more as an 
as a, a aesthetic pursuit or it's a pursuit for competition but it's really not the best uh, health option so you know the best health option seems to be um a short distance running or or swimming or, or bicycling so um I, I really think though let me say this i think most men that lift a lot of weights really aren't going to say I, I want to put down the barbell i'd rather so let me ask you this question would you rather live to uh 80 and be a weightlifter or would you rather live to uh 95 and be a runner uh, live to 95 to be a runner. And that's tough for me, by the way. Like, I love pumping iron, baby. I love it. So let me say this. I think one compromise is this idea of maybe you could go for, like, fitness modeling. Uh, basically, instead of being Mr. Olympia or Mr. Universe, uh, you could go for the aesthetic look where you're basically adding muscle, but you're not adding muscle to the point where it's really putting a lot of strain on your system. And let's be honest, a lot of the people in the bodybuilding industry are using substances, uh, you know, such right. as steroids and, sure. and uh, a lot of other substances out there besides steroids that they're, they're really uh, not good for your health and, and really not good for living a long time. And, uh, you know, if you're very rich, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can, oh, he had another heart surgery and I'm glad he survived his yet another heart surgery. But I think it's, it's becoming clear that all that, all that um, improper usage of, uh, of substances, you know, has, has caused him some, some issues there. So um, the bottom line is we have to make a decision. Uh, do we want to be the tallest tree, the tree, uh, the tallest tree is an analogy to living the longest, uh, such as the, the redwood tree uh, in California, Hyperion, 380 feet tall, or do we want to be the giant sequoia, which is the, the biggest, uh, biggest tree? Uh, the giant sequoia, uh, Journal Sherman in California is uh, by far bigger, but it's only 274 feet high. So these are, these are facts for us to decide that our life path, whether we're going to you know, be a bicyclist or a runner or, uh, you know, even just working in an office and just kind of recreationally weight lift. Uh, basically, we already see from biology that, that um, you know, all human fetuses in the womb start off as a female, okay? And the human fetus as a female is designed for endurance. That in order to get a male, the, the Y uh, chromosome basically starts telling the, you know, the fetus to start producing hormones, uh, male hormones that will cause it to become a, a male. And as it becomes male, even in the womb, uh, male fetuses have higher mortality than female fetuses, okay? So when, when you basically, you're making a trade-off where you're, you're borrowing peak strength from future reserves. So the question is, do you want peak strength or do you want endurance? Or do you want to try to find a happy medium somewhere between those two? And these, this is really a, a question for everybody to decide for themselves. I, I'm not going to tell right, anyone. Right. Uh, so. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I think there's something to me that's really intuitive about balance, like not going all the way on bodybuilding, not going complete like marathon runner, like finding some healthy. Well, that is another point. Uh, even on running, it, it, you know, the running for short distance, this seems to be good for you, but when the runners go beyond a certain point, marathon running especially, the uh, uh, mortality rates start to go up. So I think that you hit on a good point, that even if you are really ultra fit, ultra lean, 
but you're going to be pushing yourself to the, the point where you're you're running so uh, so long that the body gets beyond the point of being able to repair the damage you already did. And this is actually gets back to the whole point of of balancing the you know the effort with a repair because basically if you think about like a zipper if you unzip a zipper and you zip it back up it's not that difficult but suppose you un unzip the zipper and then you ripped it apart now you can't zip it back up and on a cellular level our body operates the same way so if we do a little bit of damage to our body that when we're asleep our, our body maintenance systems is able to repair that damage that's done when we're asleep but if we damage the damage then nothing is repairable so if we don't give ourselves a chance to repair the damage already done, then the damage is not going to get repaired. And then what happens is then we get a buildup of damage over a long period of time. It becomes a bigger and bigger problem because the average human body estimated has 10 trillion cells. So you have a lot of chances to do some damage and get away with it for a period of time. And I'm not saying anybody should do that ever, but I am saying that if some people can say that, well, I, I did all this stuff and I had no consequences, but if you keep on, you know, like alcoholism, for example, over time, it just becomes more and more damaging. And, and it, there comes a point when people realize that, you know what, this is not the way. Uh, you know, if they had listened earlier, though, it would have been better for, for them in the long run. So I, I really think that um, we need to find the proper balance that is it's good to lift weights. It's good to, you know, have strength. But we don't want to push ourselves to the point where we're having to, you know, use artificial substances and, and basically, you know, pump ourselves up to, you know, some people even injecting substances like synthol into their arms in order to get to, to make their arms look bigger. And, and that really becomes something that is really not good for you. It's, it's kind of like going, you know, for, for women, you know, getting implants. Um, it really is not good for you. So I think that getting back to the nature thing, one more thing I want to say this is they did a study of, of, of like uh, vitamins mm -hmm. and uh, they had like one group eat like na uh, live food, like, like green broccoli. And the other people took, uh, you know, vitamins in pill form. And the study showed that the people that ate the fresh live food uh, had better results than the people that took the pill form. And so mm -hmm. I, I think mm -hmm. that, even when we're considering food, um, you know, getting back to this idea that everything in our body is on a cellular level or even a subcellular level. And uh, in order to operate effectively and, and operate on it at its best, it, it's best to go natural and it's best to operate uh, under a system where we understand the, the balance needed in order to operate the system at the maximum efficiency. Okay, wonderful. Okay. So, okay, uh, well, since we're, we're kind of uh, running low on time here, I want to ask you uh, one last question. And just based off the feel I'm getting from you here and like kind of, you know, seeing some nuances and how you communicate and who you are, this may not be your style of question, but I'm going to challenge you to it. Um, and the question is, has to be answered, if possible, in one sentence. And, that, and that's why I am, I'm not sure if, it, if it's uh, your style because you have just given us so many facts and we're pulling from so many different places to really explain, um, explain the facts your point of view and so um anyways but i'm gonna challenge you here so uh what is the best thing the average person can do to frame their approach to longevity i think that it starts with the mindset they have to want to live a long time and that's the first thing that they can do and um you know it's while the case is that you know if some people have an unfortunate genetic profile there's there's really 
not much you can do after a certain point. But for the vast majority of the people, the average human body is designed to live at least 75 to 80 years. And some people have the genetic potential to live, you know, 100 plus. And so the thing, though, is if we have a body that's designed to live 100 plus, but we don't live our life the right way, then we start subtracting from our potential. So maybe we had a chance to live to 100, but we lose 15 years because we didn't do things right and we lived 85. Are, are you satisfied with that? Or maybe you really did bad and you subtract 20 years instead. So my question is, for everybody, they have to ask themselves, do they want to live uh, a healthy life? And do they want to live a, a long, healthy life? Because these two go together. That mm -hmm. living the longest really is, you know, a result of, of living the life uh, a healthy way and, and the right way. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Robert. Um, I actually, you, you piqued my curiosity. How old do you plan to live to? Well, let me let me be totally honest. Is uh, my genetic profile was not not very good um, in terms of uh, okay. my family tree history. Uh, so I'm estimating that um, you know. Let me just say this: I w I would like to plan to live to 110, and if I don't. Well, at least I made the best effort I could do. Okay. <laughs> okay, I like it. I like it. Um, okay, and, and last question because I swear God, I could ask you questions like for days straight. Um, you just we can do we can do another video uh, another another video another day if you want to. Yeah, I think we'll have to do that. Um, I do want to squeeze in this last question just for anyone who's like me and really wants to know the answer after what you just said. How do we look at our family tree and and decipher how long we may live? Our genetic potential. Well, this you really need to to get a, a website such as Ancestry.com or 23andMe or something like this. Yeah. And there's two things that you need. You need to build a family tree, and you need to get a, you know genetic uh, testing after you after you get that family tree. Because, for example, suppose you had a history of heart disease in your family, and you need to find out you know are you susceptible for that. But at the same time, uh, perhaps uh, you, you don't. Perhaps you come from a long-lived family. In, in that case, that's a good sign, though, that you have a good chance that if you live your life the right way, you're going to live a long time. Okay. That's good to know. I'm going to have to look into that. Um, Robert, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I know we, we mix up our times a little bit, so next time we'll make sure that we're in the right time zone. Um, <laughs> uh, th thank you so much for, for coming on. This was this was incredible. I, I just, I could seriously just listen to you talk all day about this stuff. This is so intriguing. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us, Robert. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Brett. How's that podcast? Pretty good, right? <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm super glad that you guys are here. I'm very grateful that you guys are here. We are putting our all into this content. Me, Alex, Eric, everyone at the Self Love Fitness Project, we're putting our heart and our soul into this, into this company, into this community. And we're just so happy that you're along for the ride. And um, we are just, uh, yeah, we're very grateful for you. So thank you for watching. And I hope to see you at the next one. Drop a comment, drop a like. Please support us. We really appreciate it. And I will see you guys on the next episode. See you there. <laughs>